I've been waiting for that song to come back around. And I'll tell you what, there are bigger churches, but there are no finer worship teams anywhere, period. And we got more than one of them. Uh, we have a, a, a special occasion this morning that we're going to, uh, we're going to do right now before, before I get into the sermon. Uh, Matt Laughlin, will you come up here? And Rachel, would you like to come with him? You... Actually, I'm going to put you on the spot. You have to come with him whether you want to or not. Yeah. <laughs> Back in uh, June of 2017, uh, Matt entered our ordination uh, program here at the church. And, uh, and then in June of 2018, we uh, uh, licensed him uh, as a minister of the gospel. And this morning, we're uh, presenting him with an ordination certificate. And when I say we're, yeah. And when I say uh, uh, presenting him, you do understand that whether he's a pastor or not, you are now a pastor's wife. <laughs> and uh, that, that is a calling as well. Uh, if, if any of the elders that are here, if I could get them to come down, and would you, would you stand down here this morning? Because uh, I'm going to start off by... Uh, well, I'm going to be asking him some questions that he's going to respond to in front of the eldership at the church. Um, Ephesians says that those who are called to ministry are gifts to the body of Christ. And that they have been called to equip God's people for uh, works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And uh, like I say, I know that... Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily your plans to pastor a church someday, though who knows what God may do with all this. But uh, I do know that God has been using you for quite some time to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And those of you who don't know, uh, these are Matt's parents behind him. He's a, he's a son of this house. They've been gone for quite a while, but he's a son of this house. I've known him since he was a child, and God has called you, and we have examined you, uh, found you faithful and committed to that calling. And so today, uh, we want to acknowledge the calling and the commitment. So, before God and the spiritual elders of this body, uh, I ask the following. To prayer, so that you can diligently follow and passionately teach the Word of the Lord obeying His commands to the best of your ability through His strength. I will. Will you give encouragement, lend support, and offer comfort to those to whom He calls you? I will. That's an easy one to forget. You might want to think about it. Encouragement. I still will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> will you be merciful, compassionate, a defender of those who have no helper for the sake of Christ and His calling on your life? Will you genuinely love God's people, serving them in truth with patient perseverance? Will you remain teachable? 
I'm not done yet. <laughs> Submitting to God's headship and authority, as well as the sound and godly counsel of those who keep watch over you as men and women to whom you must give an account. Will you walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance, loving, being diligent to persevere and preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace? Do you fully, freely, joyfully, and soberly accept this appointment, this office, this calling, with the pure intent to bring glory and honor to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, well, your parents have couple of things for you here, a prayer shawl and a certificate. And of the two, you can hang one on the wall, but the other is maybe the more important of the two. And I would ask both of you to step down. These brothers are going to gather around you. And if their wives are here and they would come, uh, we're going to lay hands on Matt and Rachel. And would everyone stand and just stretch your hand out? Father, I thank you for the gifts that you have given to the body of Christ. And Matt and Rachel are two of those gifts. I thank you for those who are faithful for those who pursue you with a pure heart, for those who are willing to, to put in the, the effort to learn your voice, to hear your call. Father, I know that Matt and Rachel have done this and are doing it. And I pray, Father, that they would grow. I pray that, is, that this is not an arrival point. This is a starting point. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open up areas of ministry for them. I pray that they would feel your presence, that they would feel your favor, that they would feel your grace with every step that they take. I pray that their ministry would be fruitful, that it truly would build up and benefit the body of Christ, that they would strengthen your people for acts of service so that Jesus would be glorified, so that the world would come to the knowledge of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and the freedom that is there. And Lord God, so that eternity might be impacted through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's a fine young man there. I, I uh, spent quite a, quite a number of hours on the phone with him over the past uh, couple of years, and I understand his wife's better than he is. Uh, yeah. Would you stand with me and let's see if y'all... Yeah, who told you that? Sit down. Would you stand with me and let's read, uh, let's read this if you haven't already memorized it. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens.
a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the life that are in your word. And Lord, I pray that, that, you would, that it would invade each of our lives, Lord God. I, I, I pray that we would become living testimonies of the truth of who you are. Lord, speak to us today. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Timing. Uh, timing isn't everything, but it's a lot of it. It's really, really important. If you knew when to buy and when to sell, you know, if you knew where the bottom of the market was and where the top of the market was, then you, uh, you could become extremely successful in the world's eyes in pretty short order. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't take too long for, for you to, whatever you start out with, for you to end up with a, with a whole lot stuff. Uh, it's kind of odd, therefore, actually it's not odd, but it might be odd to some people, that nowhere in this passage that talks about all these things that there's a time for, does it mention a time to buy and a time to sell? <laughs> Why is that? Well, I would say that it's because the Bible is a very different value system from the world. Uh, Jesus said over in, in Matthew chapter 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't corrupt, where thieves don't break in and steal, because wherever your treasure is, is where your heart's going to be. Yeah. And so if you, if you, if you spend your time storing up stuff here, which is all buying and selling can do for you. If you spend your time storing up stuff here, two bad things happen. Three bad things happen. Uh, a lot of bad things can happen, but at least three bad things can happen. One, it can just all rot. The moths can eat it up. Rust never sleeps. Yeah. Uh, it can be stolen. It can be gone. Bam. But worst of all, if none of that happens, your heart's going to be here captured here. But if you store it up in heaven, the more you store up in heaven, the more your, the more your heart is, is captured by heaven. Pretty good stuff. The closest thing probably to buying and selling in this passage is a time to, to scatter and a time together. Uh, because this is about life and life is a whole lot more, is about a whole lot more than, than stuff and accumulating stuff and buying and selling. And it's also about timing. I, I hope you've noticed over uh, the last several weeks that this passage of Scripture 
uh, mentions a time for several times. It just keeps mentioning there's a time for this, there's a time for this, there's a time for, for something else. And God's timing is everything. I mean, it really is. At, the, at just the right time, he sent his son into the world. And at and, and just the right time in, in our lives, if we'll pay attention for it, his timing is everything. I have been stood up for a date one time in my life. Can you believe it? Yeah, and I probably deserved it because I've returned that favor a couple of times, and I'm, I'm just a bad boy. Uh, but it was a long time ago. I've learned a lot since then. But at one time, I, I, I had asked this girl to go see a play with me, and, uh, and we had agreed that we would go and see this play on this particular time. Uh, and the day and the, the, the evening came around, and I, I gave her a call, and apparently she didn't understand that we had agreed to go. Or she forgot or something. Uh, I mean, it can't be because she didn't want to go with me. I hadn't really thought about that one. Uh, yeah, it could have been that too. One time. Anybody want to take a guess when it was? was the night that I met Margaret Haley at a play. Happened to be there by myself. Timing. God's timing. Scattering can involve a lot of things um, beyond what happens in a room when your grandkids come to visit. Uh, and that definitely happens, but that's okay. Uh, it's better to it's better to have a, better to have a messy house than to have an empty house. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, scattering one of the things that scattering can involve scattering can involve work. Uh, it, it doesn't have to. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But it, it can definitely involve work, and probably the uh, the prime example of that is a parable that Jesus told. Uh, the, the parable of the sower. The sower goes out to, to sow seed, to, to, to scatter seed. Uh, and scattering seed requires work. I mean, how many of you have ever planted a garden? Yeah. Well, God bless you. Uh, it's uh, that you, Scattering the seed is just the beginning. I, I know that. But even the planting, that, that can be... That can, be, that, that can be work, but it's got to be done at the right time. You know, if you do it at the wrong time, then you're just, you're just wasting, you're wasting your seed, you're wasting your effort, you're wasting everything. There's, there's, a, there's a time for doing that. And we go through our lives, especially in this culture, we go through life doing a lot of fruitless work because we're not attuned to God's timing about things. Doing a lot, doing a lot of fruitless work because we don't bother to go, would we, I would like your input on this. Lord God, the Lord of my life, the, the, the one that I'm, that I'm following, I would like your input on what I should do and when I should do it. Because for much of our lives, we figure, well, you know, I went to school. I know this. I got, I got it. I've got a plan. I've, I've kind of got, got it figured out. And so we're not attuned to God's seasons. Scattering does not always involve work. That, that, that's not always the primary. Um, in fact, it isn't the primary element in scattering. Over in Acts 8.1, it 
And this actually was the first verse that came to my mind when I, when I looked at this topic. It says, uh, this is on the day that Stephen was stoned to death. It says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. In this case, God stepped in and created or allowed conditions for scattering. Not everything that looks bad in our lives is from the enemy. Yeah, preach. Let me say that again. Not everything that looks bad in our lives is from the enemy, especially if it looks bad because it's hard. Or, or it looks bad because it's uncomfortable. Or it looks bad because it's just not what I want to do. Yeah. Not, not everything is. Sometimes, sometimes it's absolutely from the Lord. The church was getting pretty comfortable in Jerusalem. You know, on, the, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved for crying out loud. I mean, they went from 120 to 3,000, boom, bang, there it was. And then later on, when Peter and John went to pray and met a lame man on the way who held out his palm and asked for an alm, and this is what Peter did say, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'll give you. And the guy gets up and he's walking and leaping and praising God, and hundreds more get saved on that day. And people are being added to the church daily. It must not have been summertime when everybody was on vacation. <laughs> I got more to say about that later. Anyway, uh, he was added to the to the to the church daily, and it, it, it had to be getting pretty comfortable. I mean, people were, uh, were, were speaking well of them while they were there. But God had bigger plans, and the world had bigger needs than just having a big old church in Jerusalem. And so something was done to, to, to create scattering. Now, uh, I I'm sure it required work to move. If you've ever moved, it, it requires work. But that wasn't, that wasn't the main element, and it's not the main element required in scattering. The main element required in scattering is scattering always requires letting go. Releasing. We are a collecting, not to say hoarding, culture. We, we are a collecting. Most of us live... And what I heard a guy one time appropriately label a thing dome. I was listening um, a, a year or so ago to a to an interview on uh, on Fresh Air with this guy who uh, who had written a book about being a long haul trucker. He was actually a long haul mover. He had moved people across country and stuff. And he had some he had some interesting he had some interesting stories. Uh, and several of the things that he said kind of really stuck with me. I mean, one of the, one of the things was he was asked, well, what, what are truckers offered for free the most? And he went, oh, that's easy. Two things, hot tubs and trampolines. Uh, you want that hot tub? You can have it. Yeah. That, 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 we don't really want that trampoline. You know, you can have it. So those, those are two things. But he also mentioned the fact that people have so much stuff and when they pass away, their kids just have to come in and get a dumpster and throw things away. Most, most of the stuff that they're collecting, they're collecting to provide 
work for their children when they pass on. To just throw things away. Some major areas of letting go, and we'll, we'll, we'll set stuff aside, but uh, three major areas of letting go. One, one area that we sometimes have to let go of uh, is friends. When I, when I came back to the Lord in 1975, uh, I was in my mid-20s, and I, you know, the friends that I had made over the last five or six years weren't necessarily... Uh, the kind that were going to spur me on toward love and good works in uh, in, in Christ, uh, but I, initially, I mean, for a while, I didn't I didn't feel like I was supposed to just you know go well I'm out of here. I mean, salt and light, people. I mean, you know, salt and light. Uh, there are times that you, you know you need to leave now, but you know that wasn't necessarily the situation that I was in, and. Uh, so for, for, I don't know how long it was, for a few weeks, it might have even been a few months. You know, I still hung out with a lot of them. We didn't, I didn't do the stuff they were doing. I just kind of watched them do it. Uh, and I didn't, uh, you know, we didn't necessarily go the same places. Not too many of them went to church with me, but uh, a few of them occasionally didn't. But I, but I felt like, you know, this is my mission field. I'm, I'm called to these friends. But a time came when that just wasn't going to work anymore, you know because they just are going this way, and I'm going this way. And it's not, just, it's not just those kind of friends. Sometimes in the kingdom it happens. You know, I, it's, uh, it isn't easy to see people leave Springhouse. And over 31 years, I've seen at least 10 or 12 people uh, leave Springhouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe ten or twelve hundred. I I don't know. Stop to think about. It. You know, and some of them I barely knew. You know, uh, hardly knew ye, and they, they just just passed on. Uh, but some of them, you know, I knew well, and and uh, and I'm thankful because I think for the most part, uh, you know, the doors are are still open. I, I think most of the people who who come and and gone, you know, would feel very comfortable about at least visiting back here. Um, and but there have been a few times when I've just known, yeah, you know, I really don't want to see you go, but this is the right thing. This is where this is what needs to happen. And there are there are there are people serving in churches all over, some some leading worship, some pastoring, some eldering, some just supporting financially and with their presence. Of places that needed that needed them. When Margaret and I got married, uh, she was attending a, a Presbyterian church in town, not a particularly large church, not a tiny one, but not a particularly large church. And I know that the the pastor of uh, of the church really would like to have seen us go there. Um, Margaret taught Sunday school and. I guess he figured I was, I'd be worth something as well, but really wanted to see us go there. And uh, but but we really knew that the Lord had called us to go to this to the Lord's Chapel. Uh, in fact, you know, we got married on October the tenth. That was a Sunday. October the seventeenth was our first Sunday at the Lord's Chapel. We were, we were there till we moved to Africa. And uh, later on, a uh, few months later, the pastor ran across one of the members of that church in a in a home Bible study. And I say a few months. This is actually probably two or three years later. 
you know, and, and uh, our, our names came up, and he said, yeah, I really wanted them to stay with us, but, you know, we just weren't charismatic enough for them. And, and the woman said, no, no, we needed them. We really needed them. And whenever someone leaves to go someplace, I remember that. Because as much as I may want them, there may be some place that really needs them. And that's where God is assigning them in the, in the kingdom. So one of the things, friends, another thing that has to be let go of, money. Money. Uh, you know, oh, there he goes. Yeah, here I go. Money. Listen, I have never regretted tithing. Never regretted it, you know. And now you have to be careful because, you know, if you're, not, if you're not used to it, if it's not something you regularly do, you'll have a tendency to go, well, you know, I can tithe or I can get this thing over here for my kids to throw away when I die. <laughs> I've, never regret, I've never regretted any money I've given away. Whether it was to the church or whether it was to somebody that I felt like the Lord was telling me to get... I've never regretted it. I have regretted some of the money I've spent. Any of you ever spent any money and then regretted spending it? Yeah. The rest of you just didn't have any money? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, okay. Well, you you get a pass. I've regretted some of the money I've invested. Just flew, flew off. Went somewhere. I don't know. Somebody's got it. Many don't obey in, in, in tithing and, and aren't generous because they don't recognize there's a time to scatter. And, and, it, and it involves letting go. You know, and, and, and there have been some investments that I've made that have had a nice return but nothing has had the kind of return that the money that I've given away will have someday. So, friends, money. Uh, one other one I, I just want to mention, children. That, that, 40, that 45, 35, 45, whatever, same difference. Year old guy living in his mom's basement playing video games is no more tragic than that mom who's trying to run her 35 and 45-year-old child's life in their home. We, we, get things, we get things turned upside down and cattywampus here, whatever cattywampus is. We, we're totally out of sync with God's, with God's plan. Some people are. When, but we're totally out of sync when we allow our children to run our home while they're children, and then when they grow up, we want to run their home. Now, this is a revelation, people. And, and, it, and it happens. People, people do this. Children are not supposed to run a home. Teach them. Teach them. Teach them to make choices. And, and this was one thing that Margaret was great at. You know, don't say... What do you want for breakfast? Say, you want cereal? You want waffles? Well, I want cake. That ain't on the list. 
You want cereal? You want waffles. You know, get, get, teach them. Give them age-appropriate choices. And then, when they're, when, as they grow, watch them make choices. And you know what? You're not going to like some of the choices they make. It ain't your life. It's theirs. Teach them to make, to make choices and, and put them in God's hands and let it, let it go. That's, 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 that's a time to scatter. Scattering brings fruitfulness. You know, um, Jesus said over in, in John chapter 12, it's right before we went to the cross, and uh, he was asked a question, and we don't know what the question was, but we know what his answer was. I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and, and dies, it remains a single seed. He was going to the cross that week. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So anyone who loves their life is going to lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And, and, and he's not talking about, oh, I hate my life. You know, no, he was, He's talking about anyone who's willing to let it go. Anyone who's willing to let it go. And they will keep it for eternal life. Let's, get, let's, let's, let's go to gathering. We'll talk about gathering here. We've talked about scattering. Uh -oh, gathering always requires work. Oh, hallelujah. One, one of the dangerous myths in our, uh, in our economy is that you can put your money to work and then you sit back and you don't have to, you don't have to do anything else. And, you know, and, and, on, and on one level, that can kind of work. It can look like it's working. In the world system, it does work. But in, in reality, it eats your soul. Eats your soul. Jesus told a parable over in Luke chapter 12 of a man who had so much stuff, he didn't know what to do with it. And so he got an idea. He said, I'll, I know what I'll do with it. I'll build bigger barns. You know, if, if, if 3,000 square feet isn't enough for our stuff, then we need a 5,000 square feet. You know? and, and, you know, or we can keep the 3,000 square feet and get some storage units to put our stuff in that we can forget about and not know that we have. And our kids can throw away when we die. And God said, you're a fool. You're a fool. In fact, your, your life's going to be required of you tonight. Now, who's going to get your stuff then? And you might kind of go, well, you know, that, that's kind of radical, isn't it? I don't think I'm going to die tonight. It doesn't matter if it's 50 years from now. Who's going to get your stuff then? Do not gather for the purpose of no longer needing to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And I'm not saying, I'm not, saying not to have any reserve. You know, the, the Bible teaches that you can have reserve. What I'm saying is, don't be deceived into placing your trust in that reserve. This, this is my defender. This is my protector. This is going to see me through hard times, because what you're doing is you're putting that in the place of God, who is your protector, who is your defender, who will see you through the hard times, regardless of what comes, regardless. Don't gather more manna than you need. Gathering provides protection, and it provides provision. Uh, there is a time to gather. 
for provision. It's just not all the time. When Joseph was down in Egypt, there was for seven years they gathered for provision. You know, but it was God's timing under God's direction. It was a time together. And then the time came when there was no more gathering. All, all of the, uh, the animals gather and, and store food in God's timing. They, they, they understand and, and hear God's timing in their life. If you don't know how to hear from God, you won't get this. One of the most important things, if not the most important thing you can do in life, is learn God's voice is learn, learn to hear from Him. Learn, learn what He's actually saying to you. And you learn God's voice by following what you, what you know to do. I mean, you know, there are, there are a lot of things in Scripture that God will speak directly to your heart, and you kind of go, okay, yeah, next. At least I do that. I, I presume some people do it. Uh, rather than going... Yeah, I'm not doing that, am I? I need to, I need to do that. Yeah. Because that's how you learn to hear God's voice. You do what you know, and then He'll tell you something else. You do what you know, and then He'll tell you something else. That's how that works. So, since we're talking about gathering, and we're talking about doing what we know, let's talk about coming to church. Yeah. Oh. Uh, now, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir because it's the middle of summer and you're here. Yeah. But uh, the church is not actually an institution, though it, uh, uh, it has a visible presence in the world as such. Um, and as an institution in, in that visible presence, uh, much fault can be found with the church. And with the military, and with uh, the government, and with the place where you work, and with the place where you buy your stuff, and the place where you went to school, and with the Red Cross, and, and with a little homeless mission down the street, and with any other institution in a fallen world that is manned by fallen people. Yeah, so we got that out of the way. Yeah, that's, that's how that is. But the church is God's plan. It, it, it's the bride of Christ. It is the, it is the body of Christ. And, is, and it is by definition plural. It, it is plural. There are two words in, in the Greek that, uh, that are connected with the church, and those two words are ekklesia and koinonia. And ekklesia, some of you may know that term. You may have heard it. Uh, you probably have heard it described as the called out ones. Okay, two things about that. First of all, it is not the called out one. The called out one is the Christ, the Messiah, and you're not him. It is the called out ones. It is plural. And they aren't just called out. They're called out together. They're called out to be brought together in a place. Koinonia, it's about fellowship. Say, so, well, you know, I can fellowship. You know, it's just me and Jesus. We're fellowshipping together. Well, bless your little heart. And if you're Southern, you know what that means. Bless your little heart. Yeah. You can't fellowship by yourself. No. Fellowship requires some fellows 
And that's not gender specific. Okay. Yeah. That's what fellowship requires. God intends for us to regularly come together. He does. Over uh, back, I, I want to say it was a month or so ago, I, I, I put a verse up and I said, this is probably the verse that most people would like to see removed out of the Bible, first of all. Uh, and nobody in the first service remembered it. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, some of, maybe some of you will. Uh, it is, it was good for me to be afflicted. Because it caused me to learn your precepts. Okay. Well, I got another one for us today. And this is one that, that I grew up going, why is that even in there? Uh, and it's, it's Hebrews. It's Hebrews uh, 10, 24, 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And the reason why I didn't particularly care for this this passage was because I grew up in a culture where church was all we did all the time. You know, every time the doors are open and the doors were open a lot. We, we, we were there. I didn't get to see the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm bitter about it, but I've got, gotten over it. Uh, you know, and, and they, uh, and I'd say to my dad, why do we go to, why do we have to go to church all the time? It says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And, uh, and I, well, yeah, but why do we have to assemble so often? Uh, but it says more than that. Uh, the reason why, you know, I, when, I was, when I was talking to, uh, to Matt earlier uh, about, about the ordination, uh, you know, we are not called to, f- to straighten people out and fix them. We're called to encourage them and build them up and, and prepare them. The Holy Spirit will straighten out and fix. That's, that's His job. He's the only one who can do it. The only thing we can do is make them fake it. But He can make it real in, in their lives. And so, you know, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and, and, and good works. And you go, well, you know, I mean... I don't really do anything. I don't say anything. Your very presence. Your very presence is an encouragement. You're, you being here encourages, encourages me. You say, well, you, might, you don't know my name. Well, I, I know a lot of your names, but, you know, some of your names I don't know, but, I, but you're encouraged me just by being here. You encourage the worship team by being here. And not only us, but there's... there's I'm certain, unless this is your first time here and you've never met anybody, there's somebody at this church who, when you're not here, feels, oh. And when they see you here, they're encouraged. They are. Just, just by your, your very presence. And, and it says that some are in the habit of not coming. Well, in order for it to be a habit, then it's got to be something regular or Reg, reg, regular, something regular that happens that they're not doing for it to be a habit for them to not come. And you know, you can get in the habit. You can get in the habit of coming. You can get in the habit of it of it being a regular thing. I understand not everyone can come every time. My parents. It wasn't until my mom started having the strokes and 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 everything that they understood a person could actually be sick enough to not come to church. Yeah. But. But they can. 
You know, and, and I understand the demands of life uh, in this culture and, and, and all, and I understand the need to get away sometimes. I mean, myself, I missed two Sundays last month. I just needed to be away. I mean, I went to church, but I, I was somewhere I just needed to be away. I understand that those times come and those, those things happen, and, and people need that. But it, it gets kind of ridiculous sometimes, you know? It, it sometimes, coming together requires work. How many of you got out of bed this morning? How many of you wanted to? Okay, that's about the right percentage. Two <laughs> percent. Yeah. Uh, and, and the work, you say, well, you know, I can, I can worship at home and I can do this. The, the work is part of the sacrifice of worship. The, the effort is part of the sacrifice. And God is pleased with that sacrifice. It's part of your testimony. You know, there was a time when, when I was growing up, I'm going to sound like an old timer here, but I am an old timer. But, you know, there was a time when I was growing up that, you know, somebody came to visit you and it was Sunday morning. Hey, everybody, get up. We're going to church today. You know, oh, well, we, we don't actually go to church. Well, all right, you're invited. But you can just make yourself at home. We'll be back when we get back. Yeah. And that's just not how it is anymore. Well, you know, my cousin came and he doesn't go to church. Well, do you want to see him saved? Would, would you like to expose him to the, to the gospel? You know, you might just go, hey, this, Mike Gibson used to have a, 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 a small group, a home Bible study, and, he, and, he, and it was basically based on five words. This is what we do. This is what we do. We come together. We worship together. We give. We encourage. This is what we do. Okay, I've, I've gone a little bit longer than I wanted to, but I think this is really good stuff. Uh, the church gathering experience provides protection. The church is an ocean-going vessel when it comes together. You know? and, and, you, and, and, and you individually, me individually, I got my little dinky. I got my little my little rowboat that I'm. I, you say, well, the dinkies can go places that the big boat can't go. That's why we don't live here, okay? Because the dinkies are supposed to go places that the big boat can't go. But when you're out there on the ocean, and let me tell you, you spend most of your time on the ocean. It can get rough, and when it gets rough, you know, those dinkies capsize. They, they go over, but, but the big boat can break. You've, you, you had a, a week that has rocked your world. You need to be in a place where you got people going, come on, let's worship together. Come on, come, come, come on, let's, let's, let, let's lift our hands. You know, let's, let's sing. Well, you, you don't feel like, I'll sing for you. Maybe you'll feel like singing in five minutes, you know, or something like that. Let, let's pray together. Let's, let's, let's talk about Jesus together. You need that. You kind of go, well, my, my week was great this week. Well, there's somebody who's dinky got capsized this week. They need you here. They need you to be able to go, let's worship together. Let's pray together. And the church worship experience, one last thing. I want to end with this. The church worship experience is a foretaste 
of the real gathering, of the final gathering. Glad day, glorious day, glad reunion day.